everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave and Joe here in the studio in Pembroke Pines as we kick off another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, we've got lots of things to talk about tonight. We're going to kick things off with our friends from PPC Poker, the Players Poker Championship in Aruba, which is the goal for the end of the season. But, of course, they have plenty of events now, and, and I'm, I'm shocked to see how exponentially the, the schedule is expanding. We're going to talk with Brian Olton, one of the... Uh, uh, owners of the PPC Tour uh, and managers, along with Sandy Schwartzball, and we've had we've been friends with these guys for uh, several years, ever since the beginning of our show. Uh, they got started in the All In Free Poker League, uh, which was a bar league here in South Florida, and then kicked off this uh, international tour. Well, you know, I, I want to say international because of Aruba, but around the country, it's uh, it's it has growing, a great reputation. It's been growing every year. So let's bring Brian on right away. Uh, he's only got a few minutes tonight, so we uh, he will join us here. I, I know, Brian, I have that reputation now of <laughs> telling somebody 15 minutes, and then uh, 45 minutes later we're still talking. Hey, we don't call you Chatty Dave for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's always good talking with you, that's for sure. Well, thank you so much. I know that we always – it's a personal, uh, I don't know, personal flaw or what, but I feel like i got to cover every aspect of every issue, and I really don't have to do that. So uh, we'll just spend a few minutes with you tonight. Uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised and thrilled how things are going for you guys. I know that you have a tournament uh, that kicked off today at Foxwoods up in Connecticut. And uh, you started the year with Tampa Bay Downs, which was successful. Um, how about you, you guys? Uh, are you absolutely thrilled with the way things have progressed? Oh, absolutely! Couldn't be happier. I mean, we just uh, continue to grow and get big. We, you know, we we pretty much hit the that 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 breaking point this year where we we went over the 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 hump kind of thing where you know we had. In, in Aruba, you know, the very first year in 2012, we had 31 players in the event, in the main event. And, you know, we ran two total tournaments down there. And from there, you know, we, we started growing. In 2013, we had nine stops in the U.S., and we had 88 players in the main event down in Aruba. Uh, and then year three, we went to 16 stops, and we had 138 players in Aruba. And then last year, we had 23 stops. In the U.S., and we ended up with 274 players in the main event in Aruba, and we were one player short of hitting 400,000 in the prize pool. Right. Um, so, needs to say, uh, the growth's been exponential and exciting as can be. This year, we're up to, you know, we're, we're, we've got some more that are going to get announced later this year. We've got probably 10 events that haven't been announced yet, um, and that's, you know, we're looking to be in that 28 to 30 stops uh, range in the U.S., we bumped up our, our buy into 2400 this year, and we've gone to a half-million-dollar uh, guaranteed prize pool. Beautiful. So, and with with uh, the slot that we're in um, and with the guarantee that we have, we know we're going to attract, besides um, all of the players that win their packages and players that have been there before and want to come back, um, we're going to, you know, with the prize point, price point and the uh, guaranteed prize pool, we know that, you know, we're going to attract more traveling pros. 
and a lot more of the uh, the Latin American uh, contingent that you know is, is come some, but you know it's like it's it's that breaking point. You know, we hit that two seventy four total players and you know four hundred thousand dollar prize pool. That all of a sudden legitimized everything and took it to the next level where people opened their eyes and said, "Okay, all right, these boys are for real. This, this right. thing's for real. This this PPC is getting to the point." And, uh, you know, listening to player feedback last year, you know, we had dropped the, the buy-in to 1700 last year. And some of the traveling guys, especially some guys down here in South Florida, they're like, you know, it's, it was, it was a point where it, it might not make financial sense for them to make the trip because they didn't know how big the price pool could get with the price being where it was at. With it being 2400 and a half million guaranteed, they know it's worthwhile now to come down there and to chase after it. And there's a good likelihood, you know, you know, we're putting a half million guarantee on it, but I honestly think there's a good possibility of us hitting a million dollars in the prize pool this year just because of all of those extra players that are going to come and the draw from, from South and, and Central America, um, those players that we haven't reached yet. Well, you talked about uh, the first year you had 31 players, and now all of a sudden you're up to 274 last year, and I guess what is your fourth year down there in Aruba? Yeah, that was our fourth annual. This will be our fifth annual coming up this year, so it's pretty exciting. So it's a great growth, it. and it's not like it's a bunch of uh, average poker players. you got big names like guys like Harrison Gimble and Mark Kroon and Joe Searock has been involved with you, and then some great local guys that we've known throughout the length of our show, guys like Steve Carp and Hayden Fortini, and really, uh, you know, it's a very interesting tournament. Someone who's uh, broke out over the last year, in my opinion, is Joey Cooden. Who uh, who's been, done great here locally? He was uh, he did very well in your tournament as well this year, finishing fourth. Absolutely, yeah. Joey had a great great run. He's got an entry already for next year because what we did was we copied off of our the way we do our uh, our our events where we do the top four spots from the main event down there get packages to Aruba the following year. So that way, besides their package, they all you know besides their cash. I mean, Vincent uh, Fiorenza. Got first, he got 106,000 in cash, and then he got a 5,000 pack to PPC Aruba 2016. So uh, that was pretty uh, exciting. The kid had he's had a really good year this year as well. And uh, and then you know Sean Rice, you know uh, an Aruba veteran, he uh, he did well in it. Then Daniel Lobato, uh, 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 non-pro out of uh, Tampa, right? um, Tampa, you know he's he's had a terrific year. He's won a bunch of events and. Finished second and had a great year. So, uh, all in all, yeah, it was, uh, and then, yeah, like you said, with Harrison and with Sean Rice and with, with Joey, you know, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it was a great final table. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you guys have done it the old fashioned way, making friends, uh, branching out from South Florida to all parts of Florida. And now you got, uh, some good friends around the country that get involved with you, uh, Foxwoods, uh, where the tournament is this week. You got your friend Mike Smith and our, our friend too, uh, who runs Maryland Live. He's a part of it, and then Ho Chunk, which is up in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, we've actually have two, another one in Wisconsin, uh, Saint Croix, which is uh, up in Turtle Lake, and then um, you know we're talking to another casino up there and another one over in Minnesota that uh, we hope to bring on later this year as well. Um, and then we're making our inroads into uh, Las Vegas, uh, where we're hoping to have. Two to three events this year as well um, during really opportune times, uh, and then besides that, we're in talks with a couple of California properties and uh, middle of the U.S. properties as well. So, 
you know, if, if all comes to fruition, we actually could be up to 35 or 40 events. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the goal for between this year and next year is to get to those, those spots and, and, uh, continue to bring it on. We actually just announced yesterday, uh, via our press release, we signed, uh, Kicker Power, or Kicker Problem Kicker Power Apparel. Uh, they are our official apparel of the PPC Poker Tour. And, uh, we're going to be releasing the line of clothes and hats and everything through them. Plus, they've got their great stuff as well. Uh, Jay Phillips, uh, young lady out of, uh, Minnesota there. Uh, great, great, uh, in the poker community up there. She started this line and, uh, we met her last year when we were up there in Minnesota and just hit it off. And so it was a natural fit to, uh, work together. You have several uh, South Florida, not just South Florida, but Florida events over the next month. Uh, the Isle Casino will be hosting uh, 110K Guarantee Tournament February 15th through the 18th. So that starts up, uh, I guess it's that would be uh, Monday. this Monday. 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 And yep. uh, then in March you have Tampa, Bay, Tampa Downs. Uh, Ocala, I guess, has been moved to later in the year, but then you also have uh, Daytona Beach set up. So... Uh, for people Correct. who live here in South Florida, it's not a long drive to any of these places. They know they're going to get a good fair tournament and that you guys do a great job of running them. Oh, yeah. And the rooms, you know, the three rooms that we're working with, you know, over the next month and a half are just, you know, terrific. And we've done, you know, five events overall at the aisle already. And everybody knows how great the aisle is. Um, this will be our, good Lord, I want to say about 20th event at, at Tampa Bay Downs. And uh, Patrick's. Uh, Murphy over there, the director, and yeah. all their, their staff are phenomenal. And then uh, this will be our second event in Daytona. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's 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 a great room up there as well. Uh, you know, we Amanda, you know, she does is 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 awesome for us. She handles all the tournament stuff, and you know, uh, it's it's awesome. And Dominic up there too, right? Oh, I can't forget Dom. No, absolutely <laughs> not. And Dom, there's the big man in charge of everything. Yeah, so I had to give him a head of love. You know, she's she's our our our, our liaison. Yeah, she's great. Uh, I played in uh, I played in the big uh, charity event up there last uh, last spring uh, with Phil Helmuth. Yeah, we saw you. That was yeah. You guys that played was a good also. time up there. Exactly, that yep. was a great time. Uh, before I finish, and I, I have to, I don't know how much you want to get into this, and and I certainly would respect it if you don't. But one thing I thought about as you were coming on was the story that I read out of the PCA in the Bahamas. And I just wondered, since you guys do have a tournament internationally, uh, do you feel like you have to warn people to be careful when they leave a foreign country coming back to the U.S., especially in regards to how much money they're carrying? Well, one of the things, we actually, um, we don't even release the players uh, in, in Aruba more than the 10K, and we wire the rest of it back to them in the U.S. Uh, just because, you know, there's no reason for them to have to carry it um obviously in aruba it's um you know i deem it one of the safest countries that there is right uh that i've ever been to uh and it's a case of uh but still wherever you're traveling you're traveling and people keep an eye out on on things and the, the bigger something gets i mean pca is massive and uh you know people are going to keep an eye out on that kind of stuff i thought you were going to ask about antonio and the tea bottle <laughs> no, I didn't know that uh, that one. I'll have to talk about that one later. Uh, I just, yeah. I just, I'm going to get into this uh, story on two plus two uh, about a guy's experience coming out of a PPC, not PPC. I'm sorry, PCA uh, in uh, Atlantis and coming back from the Bahamas. Uh, and a lot of players said it happened this year that uh, they were asked how much money they were carrying, and there's some real horror stories because 
uh, we know that there could be plenty of corruption in the police in some of these small third world countries. And, and, and not that uh, people have to completely worry about it, but you've got to follow the rules and protect yourself uh, and by not exposing yourself to uh, some of these people's uh, bad feelings. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, but you know what? That's uh, it's real short-sighted. That you, you hope that uh, that gets straightened out um, because you know that that does nothing but hurt future business going to going to an island. Right. Uh, you know, that's the one thing we've been really impressed by uh, Aruba and by the Aruban government in doing with them. They take care of things very carefully, uh, and actually, you clear U.S. customs if you're flying directly back to the U.S. You clear U.S. customs in Aruba, I see. Uh, which is uh, is a real nice thing yeah, as well. That is nice. um, I, you know, no, no knock. You know, it's just, I, I, I always prefer Aruba over anywhere in the Caribbean. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just uh, not because we even work with them. It's just that awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that uh, there's a story on Poker News today about the chance there may not be another. Uh, PCA, you know, that, that it could come to an end, that it was a, such a big tournament for so long, but it just not seemed to uh, go so well. That's a shame, okay. That's a, but it's, it's amazing, though. I mean, they really, really, really try to do as many tournaments as possible. We know a lot of guys and, and, and ladies from around the country that work in different rooms that go and assist at that because it's such a massive thing, but to put on 106 uh, tournaments in, in six days, I mean, we put on 10 in Aruba, and my head's spinning. Uh, I can't imagine 106. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, so PPC uh, at the aisle, 110K uh, guaranteed prize pool. Uh, day one flights, three each day on uh, Monday the 15th, Tuesday the 16th, Wednesday the 17th. I'll certainly be stopping by to see you guys out there, but uh, a chance for people to pick up some packages to Aruba later in the year. And, of course, great competition at uh, one of the top poker rooms in the country. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, the staff over there is phenomenal, Stan, and uh, you know he's been great to work with ever since he's taken over the property. Really welcomes us in, and uh, we really enjoy. You know, oh, you know that's that's our home casino. You know, growing you know growing up playing, it's uh, that's that's where we'd always go to. So that's uh, it's always great to be in that room, and uh, we can't wait for uh, next week. So come out and see us. You'll see Sandy and I will both be there, men in the booth, and. Uh, Doing some doing some reporting as well. Definitely, we'll see you. And congratulations on uh, Kicker Problem, Kicker Power. That sounds like a, a new venture that should work out great. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Okay. Talk take to you soon. Take care. All right, guys. Take care. Okay. Brian Bye. Olton from the PPC Poker Tour Players Poker Championship, um, moving into their <clears> fourth <throat> season, but they're actually have had this will be their fifth down in Aruba. So right. They have yep. a, a whole season. And uh, if you want to go to their website at uh, ppcaruba.com, you can check out the whole schedule, get involved with them. Uh, you know, the, we have the World Series, we have the World Poker Tour, but these guys are like a, a middle niche of, of players. But a lot of really great players have really got involved in them because they like these guys so well, much. Well, the year that I was, uh, you know, lucky enough to be down there, representing them down there, uh, not this past year, the year before, like you said, Mark Kroon, Joe Searock, uh, you know, Fortini Steve, and uh, Harrison Garp and uh, what was the young man that was down here? Uh, Bardi, Bardi, oh, Ronnie Barda, Ronnie Barda. Great bunch of guys over yeah, there. He's, he's hilarious. We had a lot of fun. Now that year that I was there, Dave, you know, Rassen has three different three ballrooms that are right next to each other. You know, with that removable wall, and one ballroom is very big. Uh-huh. This past year, you know, I was fortunate enough to have lunch with with Brian and Sandy today. They went to two ballrooms, and this coming year, 
They've got all three of them locked oh, up for, for the tournament time. Beautiful. So, and they're locked in till 2020 with a contract with the Radisson. So, this is just growing every single year. I'm so happy for them. They've done such a, as we both know, they've done such a great job of of getting this tournament to grow to where it is now and <laughs> and beyond because the future looks very bright. 100,000 guaranteed today up at the Foxwoods. They had 266 entries in the morning flight, so uh, they'll make that uh, guarantee easily. Uh, they had one that kicked off earlier, well, actually right around now, 5 o'clock p.m. as we do the show, and there'll be 150,000-plus uh, cash prize pool and uh, top two players winning $5,000 packages to Aruba. So should be a great event up there as they finish things up tomorrow with day two. And uh, it starts at 11 a.m. up at the Foxwoods. And, uh, you know, they've locked in some really nice properties. They really have. And, you know, having, as they said, their home casino, the Isle, is just wonderful. We know how great they are. Having Mike Smith over in Maryland Live I mean, they're just, like I said, they're, they're picking different casinos around the country, and it's just, I'll be honest with you, Dave, I think in three or four years, they are just going to be one of the tournaments that everybody looks forward to. It's going to yeah, be a absolutely. destination tournament in Aruba every single year. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's take our first break on the show. I've got a few things to talk about. I want to mention uh, my, uh, I don't want to say disaster, but uh, my mid- another middling performance at the horse tournament. Oh, the, really, uh, Big Dave? Really? The, uh, <clears throat> that's, why club. that's why I didn't receive a call. Huh? <laughs> yeah, there wasn't much to talk about. But I do want to talk about one big hand that really cost me and, uh, and get your thoughts on it when we come back. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line, and uh, let's tell you about uh, Gulfstream Park. Uh, have Pegasus getting ready to come on board, and we'll be talking about that over the next few weeks. Uh, right now, the racing season, another great day on Saturday with the Don Handicap. This week, they have the Royal Delta, so only one huge stakes race. Uh, but two weeks away, the Fountain of Youth, the Devona Dale, and the uh, Here Comes the Bride, all kinds of great uh, stuff, about seven stakes races on the 27th. And then the Gulfstream Park Handicap follows in March all the way up to April 2nd, which is the Florida Derby. As the the season flies by, I mean, you know, here here we are. We're over halfway through the racing season, and uh, it comes and goes quick. I don't I don't know if that's because our age at our age now that, things, that's part of it. Things seem to move at a much quicker pace than when I was younger. So yeah, absolutely, that's part of it for sure. Uh, Gulfstream Park is located in Hallandale Beach, which is the south part of Broad County, so very close uh, over the border from Dade County. Uh, if you feel like leaving the Banana Republic and heading up into Broward, <laughs> certainly welcome to do so. <laughs> Gio's shaking his head. He's a he's a long-term Dade County guy. And so Gio, we're going to have to put him on the watch list when he crosses <laughs> the county line, huh? Exactly. <laughs> Any, anyway, it's it's nearby, Dade County. Uh, you come down from Palm Beach County, it's a, it's a very nice trip. And uh, nothing is, it's like we say, everything is about a half hour away in South Florida. So, yeah. it, you know, if you're going to drive a half hour, you can drive 45 minutes and so on. But it's located west of the beaches and east of I-95 on Hallandale Beach Boulevard and the corner of Federal Highway, uh, 901 South Federal Highway. And they got plenty of great poker action there on a daily basis. Uh, I noticed that the story came out this week that they uh, cut three-card poker. It really wasn't doing all that great for them anyway, but uh, now that the uh, Indian compact is uh, kind of inevitable, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the Indians didn't like them getting the three-card poker and that sort of thing, and not that it was a, too much to give up, but they do not have the three-card poker there anymore. They have it several other places here in South Florida, so 
we'll see what the rulings end up being on that. Uh, but uh, real poker is all over the place. There are 20 tables in the poker room located on the first floor casino on the backside, and uh, just a short walk out to the uh, the side, uh, the rail of the track where you can uh, see the racing, uh, which goes on Wednesdays through Sunday, and uh, lots of great stuff there. Jackpots galore, uh, not only in poker, but also, of course, in the the rainbow pick five and all kinds of great stuff at the track. So there's plenty, plenty of opportunities to win some big cash out there and enjoy yourself with one of the most beautiful days in South Florida. The weather's been fantastic down here in the mid-60s during the day and uh, certainly uh, one of the places that you really can, you can enjoy being. Yep. It, you, you, listen, the poker action there is great. The promotions that they have are outstanding. So everything you can do at Gulfstream is just incredible from the village to the horse racing to the poker it's a great time for the whole family yeah absolutely and if you want some information on when the tournaments are what kind how what the buy-ins are uh, certainly uh, you can give them a call anytime at the poker room 954-457-6336 that's 954-457-6336 poker racing Entertainment, shopping, dining, they got it all at Gulfstream Park. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes. And if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Energy drives our nation's economy and is an important part of our daily lives. By taking steps to become more energy efficient, we can all save money and help reduce our nation's overall energy demand. I'm Energy Secretary Sam Bodman, encouraging you to use Energy Star products and appliances such as dishwashers, washing machines, and thermostats. They can reduce your energy bills by up to 30%. Replacing your existing light bulbs with Energy Star qualified fluorescent lights in the lamps and fixtures throughout your home will save up to 50% on lighting costs. By installing Energy Star storm windows and double pane windows, you can reduce energy loss in your home by 25 to 50%. 
You have the power to make a difference. By using Energy Star products, you can reduce your home energy bills and help our nation reduce its energy use. More information on Energy Star products and savings can be found at www.energysavers.gov or call toll-free 1-877-337-3463. This powerful savings message is provided by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Alliance to Save Energy. Welcome back to the show. Our thanks to Brian Olton from the Players Poker Championship Tour uh, that ends its season each year in Aruba, and it's really growing exponentially, not only in stops and, and venues, but in number of players each time. 274 players last year, very very good turnout for Aruba. When yeah. it started with 31, I can remember I was just looking at the finishers from last year, and uh, I can remember Mike Beasley, who's a local guy here that has made final tables on the WPT and uh, the first year he kind of made fun of it. You know, yeah, I think they had a uh, they had a sit-and-go down there or something. And uh, ended up not playing after traveling there when he saw how few people were in it. Uh, now here he finished 24th this year. So uh, Yeah, he had no issues with it this no year. No issues, huh? did he, did he? But uh, uh, very interesting. Mark Kroon That's is a, a big supporter of them and a good friend of theirs. And uh, you look at the top final table, Harrison Gimbel, Joey Cooden, Danny Lobato, and the winner, Vincent Fiorenza. Uh, from last year as uh, 274 players made the trip down there. And uh, there's lots of stuff to do, too, for a few days, right? Oh, that's, that's <laughs> put it this way. The, the the beach is as beautiful as any in the world. Right. Trust me. I, yeah, I honeymooned I there <laughs> 30 years ago, so it is it is beautiful. The water's gorgeous no matter what time of the year. Uh, nightlife, great restaurants, great food. I'm telling you, and and as Brian and you know said, you know the people of Aruba are just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, fantastic they, people. They are so sweet to talk to, and they they treat you so right. Uh, it really is a tremendous place to go and vacation, let alone play poker. Right, for sure. Uh, I wanted to quote an article here on uh, Card Player real quick. Uh, they have an article about the most consistent players over the last. Uh, Several years, maybe the last decade or something like that. I would imagine Jason's got to be on that list. Yeah, I want you to guess a couple. Uh, (laughs) I'm not looking at it. I just guessed. There's seven players that were five times in the top 200. Uh, A few more finished six times. Uh, Let's see. Four players who finished seven times in the top 200, and then two players eight times. So I want you to guess at the end. But let me just run down some of these names. Uh, The five-time top 200 finishers. Uh, Steve Sung, Sorel Mizzy, Shannon Shore, John Juwanda, Matt Stout, Dominic Nietzsche, and Martin Jacobson. Uh, then six times in the top, you got uh, Phil Helmuth, Mike Mizraki, J.C. Tran, Vanessa Selp, Scott Seaver, Mike Klodnicki, Mike Watson, and Jeff Madsen. So you're talking about players who are all a uh, pretty good track record over the years. Yeah. Now, you get to some of the big names seven times in the top 200. Can you guess who they are? Well, I, I, I mentioned Jason. Jason, is, Jason so is I would mention okay, Jason. Correct. I would have to probably say Daniel. Daniel Negreanu, yes. Um, oh my God. Um, oh, what? Uh, is it not Cunningham? Is it Cunningham? No. no. How about Phil Ivy? That's right. How quickly we forget. And the, <laughs> the other you probably wouldn't get is Scott Clemens. Uh, then there's two players who have uh, finished, and they both might surprise you, in the top 200, eight out of the past ten years. 
Eight one episodes. is a guy who's been on the show with us several times. The other one you probably won't get, Justin Bonimo. Wow. And the other? Been on the show? Has it One of our uh, favorite guests. Will? Yep, Will the Thrill. No kidding. Pretty amazing, Congratulations, huh? Will. Now, he's his highest in the... This is in the card player standings, by the way. Uh, his highest finish was only 23rd. Uh, he won three titles that year, made ten final tables. Well, he's been consistent. But every year he's right there, and uh, he's proven himself over the years. So I thought it, that would be interesting for people. Wow, very nice. Then and the GPI has been around how long? Five I years? I want to say four, four, four years. Five years? Four years. And can you remember when Jason's been out of the top ten in that in that in the GPI? No, I haven't looked at it lately, so he may be out of it now. He might be out of it now, but you know, usually at one point or another throughout the season, throughout the year, he, he did have a big year last year. It goes back like a couple of years, so you have to really disappear for a while to drop out uh, if you've been in there for a while. So yeah, I would say he's probably still there. Yeah, I mean, he's just be my guess. He's just. You know, a model of consistency. <laughs> uh, last week, uh, when we did the show, of course, the next day I was heading up to Palm Beach to play in the uh, Palm Beach Kennel Club Circuit event for the World Series of Poker Circuit. And the horse event, right? And the horse event, which uh, there was an event earlier in the day, and I saw a lot of our good friends uh, playing at that one. That was a smaller buy-in opening event, Monster Stack. I saw Abby Daniels and... And uh, you know a lot of players that we that we know very were, well. Were you able to get any interviews while you were up there? No, most of the people were playing, and then I got there right before my, my tournament. So I played in the horse. I, I didn't get the final count of the numbers, but by the time I got knocked out, we were right around what we were last year, which is 81. So uh, you know, it's not like it's exploding. What was the buy-in? Tournament. The buy-in was uh, 365. Okay. So we had some fun with that. Uh, I played. It started at five. I think I eventually got knocked out around 9.30. So uh, I played for a while. I would say that I went up and down between the starting stack of 10,000 chips, got as high as probably 12,000, and wasn't really below 8,000. So, so you just hovered. I hovered, and, uh, you know, of course, it's a limit tournament, so you, you, it's hard to get lose a lot of chips and get knocked out. You know, well, like in that. the first couple of hours because of the way it goes up and everything else, but uh, as soon as... As soon as you've gone around three or four times, the blind structure gets to a point. Well, where toward the end, of course, they, yeah. they do get up there, you know. And I think, uh, you know, you know, eventually you're going to get to the point where you got to make something happen. Right. So uh, the hand that uh, really crippled me, and I don't think I really did anything wrong. I I, I think you'll defend me on that. Uh, it was stud eight. Okay. Which is the last game of the rotation. Okay. And I was dealt pocket aces with a queen up. Okay. So pretty pretty nice hand. Starting, yeah, for for a high. Remember, you're playing a split pot. Right. Okay. So uh, I'm looking at the other guys, and uh, one guy had 6-4-3. Uh, one guy had... You know, both guys look like they're going for the low. Okay. So my first card uh, up is a queen. So now you got aces. So now up. I got aces and queens on the first four cards. So as it turned out, since I had pocket, the, I had the queen showing, I have to lead the betting each time. So uh, I'm betting, you know, I think 400 uh, for the first uh, time around, and then uh, when you get to the fifth card, then it's 800. So uh, well, you're, you're, now, now, what did your opponents before you go further? 
Do you remember how many opponents you had and what their well, there cards was, were after there the was first two th- cards? After the first two, I think <clears> one guy had 6-3. The other guy had... Uh, don't remember exactly. Two small cards? Yeah. Okay. And the other guy was uh, kind of middle-ish cards. Uh, going for now, a low we, hand, maybe, but not quite okay, as good. Okay, but here, here, here's the problem. And again, I'll let you tell the story after this. You love your high hand, but when you have these players all with low cards... You're probably one card away from somebody hitting a straight. Well, you know what's going to happen. I mean, uh, this is not well, uh, obviously rocket you science here. It but, wasn't it, but I mean, you would have loved to have seen somebody with a pair of tens. Uh, <laughs> you know, somebody who had an ace king showing. Well, the thing is, is if I get an ace, then nobody's going to think that I got a full house there because you know they don't see the aces. And uh, you know, it, the, the unfortunate thing is I'm not able to raise them out of the hand, which. When you only have three or four cards, I might have been able to do. But since I have to play first, I make right. the bet. And they're not raising me. They're calling. Yeah. There's so no they, reason to raise you. They can't beat you for high. Well, they so they're trying to draw yeah. to a low, but maybe sneak into a high and exactly. a low. Exactly. Well, that's, of course, what happened. Uh, we went around, and I got three blanks in a row, a deuce, a four, a seven, or something. And so that... To me, also meant, you know, it might be a little tougher for them to get along. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I'm looking, as it turned out, one of the guys uh, made his straight on the on the last card. So even uh, even on the last card, he didn't raise me. So or, no, maybe you lost minimal amount then. You lost yeah, minimal amount. Yeah, well, it was, it was 800, 800, 800, uh, maybe there was a raise toward the beginning, I think, maybe. He, he probably didn't think his – he probably most figuring, oh, you you might have the full house, you know, with the pot, with the queen staying in, with the high card, with them with the low, and pairing up your queen on them right away. Right. You know. And it wasn't out of the question that so I could have had he, a low hand, He didn't hand raise too. you probably fearing that you had his high beat, but that his low wasn't good enough against the other opponents that right. were in the hand. So now, you got lucky in that regards there. Yeah. If they had raised me – then I at least would be aware that maybe someone had that already. But they didn't until the very end. And uh, dropped me from probably around 8,500 chips to about 4,000, I think, at that point. And uh, yeah, from there tough, I went out. Yeah, it's a tough but, hand. It's a very tough hand. But, you know, sometimes in uh, stud, you you got to realize that, you know, just because your first four cards are awesome, you may not well, get anything you, to you go needed, with it. You needed to get that hand the, 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 the round before when it was just seven-card stud. Right. Okay, now you probably wouldn't have gotten any action, but you wouldn't have lost 4,000 in chips. Yeah. You know, that's the danger. When you have a high hand, the advantage that you have is you could scoop the whole pot. The problem also is your low could run into a flush, a straight, three of a kind, you know, while chasing the low, and all of a sudden your, your two big pairs, which is normally a monster hand, you know, turns into nothing. So... It's a danger that you, as soon as I see three people in with lows and ha- and having connecting low hands, you know, if it's a do seven, I'm not worried about a straight right away. Right. You know, but I'm seeing a three six, a five seven, you know, maybe a a, 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 a deuce five. I'm worrying, okay, so one of these three has to have at least an inside draw to a straight. Right. If they're staying in with me betting and, and they see what their opponents have. Well, I asked the guy, I said, you know, you got that on the last card, right? And he said, yeah. And uh, I said, you were you were going for the low the whole time, right? And he goes, yeah. Of course, yeah. Not one of those three players was trying to fight you for the high. They were just hoping they drew into a high. Right. You know, that's that's one of the beauties of playing a high-low game. You know, most people say, oh, I'd rather start with three aces, you know, and 
yes, you can scoop the pot, but if you start like an ace, two, three, all suited, it's, it's, in my opinion, a little stronger because you're, you're chasing, you, you know, you've, you've got the three best low cards, plus you've got three suited cards to, to make it an ace high flush. There's a lot of different ways of going right. about this, so uh, you've got to play the cards that are dealt to you, obviously. Doesn't there become a certain point when you have to kind of make something happen, when you have to turn up the juice a little bit? Uh, yeah, but the problem was no one was helping you put up the juice. Right. See, if one of your opponents had thought that, hey, you know, I've got a low now, and I want to chase the other lows out because there's enough money in there, and you guys had played a raising game, you may have forced the person who eventually wound up getting the straight on you. Right. You know? So you were you were put in the worst scenario with the best hand that you couldn't you couldn't protect you had no no way of protecting that hand by raising somebody else. Yeah, that's true. That's you know? So unfortunately that happens when you ha now, it would have been nice if somebody had a pair of queens and you were sitting with a pair of sevens and, you know, had a seven in the hole or, or pocket sevens, then you're gonna get playback from the high, and hopefully the lows are chasing, and now they don't get there. Right. You know, those, those are scenarios. You were just put in, a, in the worst-case scenario for your best hand. Yes, it's true. Uh, again, a nice tournament, though. Uh, my thanks to uh, uh, Noah, Noah Carbone and uh, Tim Wright and, and uh, Chris, who was on the show with us, got a chance to meet Chris. But they do such a nice job of running the tournament. Was Will there? Will was there also, and... Uh, um, Josh, uh, Josh Alderman, who's been on the show with us before. So the whole crew uh, just really do a nice job up there. And uh, we always sit down and talk the business a little bit in the afternoon and uh, had some fun there. Excellent, excellent. Well, outside of this bad hand and the bad tournament, so you would just have to fold your cards a whole lot, I would imagine, in that tournament. Uh, sometimes. Because, you know, you, you said you kept going back and forth, so it wasn't a yeah. whole... When you won hands, they weren't big, and when you lost them, they weren't that big. Yeah, that's true. Uh, just to give you an idea of what's going on there, they're about halfway through the 12 events. Uh, it goes on through the 15th. Of course, the main event starts on the 12th, which is uh, Wednesday. And uh, let's see, who was the winner of my tournament? I, I don't even know. <laughs> Uh, David May from Plantation was the winner. Zach Milchman, who's a well-known local player, and Philip Wee from San Antonio were the top three. John Holly finished in sixth place. So, uh, good tournament up there. Um, certainly a lot of uh, action. Well, listen, they always have great tournaments up there, and their main event, their main event is starting this Friday, right? Uh, it starts Wednesday. Oh, excuse me. When, oh, it started today, then? No, let's see. Today is the 10th. So, today, Friday, Friday, Friday right? right? The 12th, right. right. The 12th through the 15th, I believe. Uh, event number one up there uh, was the 365 Monster Stack. Uh, let's see. That was... Ended up winning... Uh, Bill Shear was the winner of that one from Melville, New York. 27000 for first place. And then the bigger tournament was the 580... Uh, no limit reentry tournament, which had four opening sessions, uh, that finished up early in the week. And Spencer Chaplin of Scarborough, Maine, was the winner of that one. Peter Vittantonio won the main event last year, finished in fourth place. Uh, Aaron Massey, a good friend of ours, was in twelfth. Kelly Slay, a guy I've known for a while through golf, uh, finished fourteenth. He's from Jacksonville now. Uh, event number four was the uh, no limit hold'em event, uh, another three sixty-five. And the winner of that one was Dave Posis, who's uh, 
was has been down to Aruba a couple times with that tournament. Yeah. Uh, fan of the show. Uh, congratulations to Dr. Dave. Uh, and the ladies' event, which wasn't a ring event, but uh, was earlier in the week, uh, 125 buy-in. Uh, the winner of that one was uh, Paulette Pipitone of Jupiter. Uh, see if any of our friends there that we know. Linda Pearson of Jupiter was uh, ninth. I uh, don't really recognize any of those names there, but uh, uh, Paula Pipitone was the winner there. And event number five was a 365, and the winner there was uh, Pedro Palacio. So uh, certainly uh, something that draws a lot of players from all over the country. Uh, you see names from uh, different cities all over the country, but you know, a lot of very important tournament for South Floridians too. Yeah, I'm telling you, and they they – I, I just go back to the time they had that million-dollar guarantee and the craziness over there. Uh, did Noah or Tim tell you anything about how how they were handling all the all the traffic? Or uh, they seem to be doing pretty well. It's uh, you know it was uh, not uh, huge, but uh, of course a lot of people are playing for that big jackpot, which I believe is still in, in play. Um, certainly uh, draws a lot of cash game players after they get knocked out of tournaments. Well, let me tell you, if they run through the tournament without it being hit, it helps all the locals who now, who've, where all these people have added into that jackpot money. Yeah, that's true. Event uh, 6 was the uh, Omaha Pot eight, pot Limit Omaha 8 or better. Zach Milchman finished in the final table of that one as well. It finished 8th. Uh, Vincent Renzo, the winner of that one. So... Um, Certainly, we'll try to get up there this weekend and uh, see some of the f- main event, see what's happening. Uh, but always uh, a draw here in South Florida now, I think for the sixth uh, straight year, uh, putting up big numbers. They've been doing this for, <laughs> for, like you said, six years. They've done a tremendous job up there. I just wish it was closer. Right? Yeah. That way I can make a trip up there. Okay, I want to get to this other story about leaving the PCA. And uh, certainly uh, this fellow who wrote the story made some mistakes uh, I'm not going to say, I, I can't vouch for the veracity, as I mentioned, but uh, certainly I believe it to be true. And it, it's horrifying, really, uh, some of the details. So I want to I read what he posted, and it's fairly long, so I want to give it some time to talk about. Uh, Joe, you can jump in, of course, anytime at some of the uh, things you've heard. Yes. And uh, we'll get back to that. But let's take a break here on the program. We'll talk about a couple of local things here. Uh, at Gulfstream Park, of course, the racing is top-notch, as we all know. Uh, so is the poker, and so is the dining and entertainment factor. They have a strike uh, 10 bowling lanes there, which is really cool. Uh, a lot of interesting things in the village of Gulfstream Park. Great restaurants uh, like Frankie's and Adina Bar and Grill, Wine Bar and Grill, and also uh, Mexican restaurant Cantina Laredo. They have a Brio uh, just great stuff there. So you certainly can find a place uh, where the food is, is definitely attractive. And, of course, inside the track they have the Ten Palms Buffet and also upstairs Christine Lee's, which is one of the top uh, Oriental restaurants around. And uh, Great food, uh, certainly uh, a place to spend a nice weekend day. If you go there uh, on the Stakes Day of Racing, make sure you get your reservations in because it gets very crowded. But, uh, again, if you uh, get shut out of the one you want to go to, I'm sure you can find something else that fits right up your alley. <laughs> There's so much to do there. I love the Texas to Brazil, Frankie's, 
you know, you got a lot of great places to dine there. That's one of the best things about that village. They got so many great places to go and eat there. You know, forgetting about the poker and the horse racing and the casino, it's just so much, so much, th- so much to do there. A good friend of mine has worked with uh, Hooters Corporation for uh, many years, including the originals over in uh, Clearwater, Florida. Uh, has become really close friends with John Gruden over the last few years, uh, and John uh, does some stuff with Hooters, of course, and uh, Monday Night Football and all that. They had a big uh, event for Corona beer at, uh, at Frankie's. Uh, right uh, before the championship games, and I got a chance to hang out with John Gruden a little bit. What a great guy. I mean, uh, uh, the first time you meet him, he uh, makes you feel like he's known you for for, for 20 years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, people think of him and they call him Chucky and all this, and you think he's that intense. You wouldn't think that he was that personable. He's intense, but in a very funny way. Uh, Sometimes I wonder how he doesn't drop a few F-bombs on Monday Night Football (laughs) because that's a regular part of his repertoire, but... Uh, certainly, uh, you know, when you have great events at uh, attractive places like Gulfstream, uh, you know, it adds to the ambiance. Uh, but I had a lot of fun there uh, earlier this year at uh, that outing. Well, let me tell you. So that means you can meet celebrities, sports stars, and celebrities over there at the village yeah, absolutely. of Gulfstream. But the main reason we like to go over there is the poker room uh, run by Scott Poole, a uh, good friend for several years who uh, sets up a great room with a great ambiance, uh, well-trained employees, uh, nice people playing there. Uh, I can't say enough about it, uh, and I, of course I do every week here on the program because <laughs> uh, we love to talk about the place where we go quite a bit. Uh, they have nightly tournaments at 7 p.m., so you can check all those out. Uh, different prices, to uh, different buy-ins to get in, anywhere from I think the lowest one right now is $50 up to 110 and then there's certain guarantees on all those. You can get all that information by calling the Poker Room at 954-457-6336. If you've never been to Gulfstream, uh, certainly now is the time to go with the beautiful weather and the uh, the view of Aventura condos in the background when you look out over the track. And I uh, can't say enough about it. And it continues to grow. Uh, hotel uh, broken ground already there. So they're going to expand what they're doing as far as an entertainment venue. And uh, a lot of fun. Hey, they're going to soon try to rival the Hard Rock, and I think they're going to be very successful in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's located at 901 South Federal Highway. Very easy to find, very easy to get to. Uh, You can give them a call, as I mentioned, uh, in the poker room. And, of course, you head out to uh, the racing. There will be all kinds of information there uh, on what's coming as far as stakes races and that sort of thing. Do yourself a favor and head on over now through the end of March because uh, uh, if you let the racing season go by, it's not quite the same. It's uh, still great and still a lot of fun, but now with the excitement, uh, I certainly can't say enough about it. Anyway, uh, it's Gulfstream Park, 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach. Tell them that Big Dave and Joe sent you. This is Poker Action Live. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. 
You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer could purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because it usually meant. And we did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. Back on the show, final segment. And I uh, did want to get to this story. Uh, it's on the 2 plus 2 forum, which first of all, uh, you can never justify whether people want to make up stories or uh, rip somebody. Uh, it turns out that this was a, uh, a few stories that came out this year from the PCA that players were stopped. They asked them how much money they were carrying, and uh, a lot of them were held over, you know, uh, in, arrested, put in jail, ended up uh, fined, and a lot of their money was missing. So this guy came out with a story, and I, I, I want to read part of it at least. If I, uh, we'll see how it goes, but. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call this fiction because we can't verify it. But if it is well, fiction... But it sounds a lot like a story that I know to be true, so... Yeah, well... Let me hear... Yeah, go ahead. I want to hear the story. Okay, he says, uh, I, don't, I don't go to 2 plus 2 often, uh, but I saw this PCA thread, and I had somewhat similar but worse and different experience in some ways. It happened a while ago. I moved on from poker in this experience... So I've chosen to make a new screen name to tell about it, and the screen name is PCA Refugee. So uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, he kind of explains himself a little bit and says that uh, uh, reading the other posts made me a bit sad because they're, it's flooded with comments about victims being idiots for not declaring their money and overlooking the bigger, more important problems. My experience was different. Hopefully my story will highlight the bigger issues a little bit better. So he gets into it. He says he was a multi-table professional. Won his seat on the PCA online, as, as most of us do, he says. And I decided to make more of a vacation, planning to only spend a day or two and bring a friend to tag along and take advantage of the free hotel and spending money. He said, I'm not a live player. I play 95% online, have little experience playing live. I end up cashing in a side event for a modest amount. 
on the last day or two of the trip, just under 20000 Because of my inexperience, I asked some friends who are live pros and had a lot of experience traveling with sums of money like this what I should do. They pretty much all agreed that bank wire or any electronic means of transfer was out of the question because the fee would be too much and that I should just bring it back. I asked about declaring it, and they said, actually, because I'm traveling with a friend, I have under 20K, I can just give, them a, give him a few thousand so that I'm under 10K and don't have to declare. Sounded reasonable. I had declared goods in the past while traveling and knew that customs can be a hassle and uh, the law is that you only have to declare if you have 10K or more, so I should be good. So he goes to the airport. A friend goes ahead of him in line. They talk to the agent and goes through. I go up. The first question is, how much money do you have? I say about 8000 U.S. dollars and some of my own currency. Okay, come with us, they say. So they take him back to customs, completely packed, looked around, saw hun- tons of poker players I recognized. Uh, I'm waiting to be called. Fifteen minutes later, my friend comes in and says that they brought him back in. Uh, we arrived way in advance of our flight, being used to a lot larger airports, a bit more than three hours before our flight, so we had plenty of time to get our flight. After 15 or 20 minutes, uh, they called both of us up, and I answered the questions again. 8000 and some of my own currency, I said. How much money does your friend have? Not sure, maybe about 6000 7000 And they asked me, is any of that yours? And I said, yeah, some of it. Okay, thank you. And he asked him to leave the money there and go back out and take a seat. So... I go out, same thing happened uh, with his friend, and uh, he says, before people reply, why did you tell them the truth, idiot? Well, because generally when you think you're doing, what you're doing is fine, you just don't lie about it by default. And giving out how it played out, it would have been worse if we had lied and got caught. So he's sitting down, an hour passes, two hours, the flight's starting to get close. I try to mention my flight's coming up, the officers just yell, sit down, and are generally angry if you try to approach them. Uh, After a bit, I realized that nearly everyone who went back to customs was a male aged 20 to 40. There were no girls, family. It was strictly guys in this demographic. Uh, One guy says, uh, player said, if I only have $500 on me, why am I back here? My flight's about to leave. And another guy said, I only have poker chips. Why am I back here? So seemingly, they weren't just grabbing people with a lot of money. At the time, I didn't really think about it. But in retrospect, given how it played out, uh, I learned they were clearly tipped off about there being a poker tournament and trying harder than normal to catch people with money. So the flight's 20 minutes away. They call us, split us into different rooms. And I asked, what am I under arrest for? And they said, false declaration. And he turns a small camera for me, needs to record our conversation, and asked why I was traveling to the U.S. I told him that I lived there. Uh, and uh, Actually, he didn't live there. He lived in Europe, I think, and he had a connecting flight in the U.S., so... He said his country does not tax poker winnings. Uh, so they said he, we had committed a very serious offense by not declaring my winnings. And there were two officers there. They did a full strip search. And there was a weird moment when the two debated the cavity search but decided that that wasn't necessary. So we get taken to the airport uh, jail in handcuffs. They get us to testify about what we did, asking leading questions, and kept changing the exact wording of what I said to make it a more clear admission of guilt, like we were intending to break the law and purposely split money to circumvent their custom system to avoid having to pay all the taxes. Uh, I asked if we could post bail or something. They said, sure, do you guys have any cash? And I said, you guys have it all in a Ziploc bag there. You can't use that, they said, because it's evidence. I have a credit card. What's the limit, he said. I perhaps stupidly said 5000 Oh, too bad, bail is 6000 the guy says to him. 
can I get someone else to bring me the money? Sure, you have to get a hold of them, though, in the next 15 minutes because it's getting late. We had arrived at the airport at 9 a.m. that morning, and it was around 8 p.m. at this point. Oof. So I was trying to think who I could call that might be in the Bahamas still and have 6000 cash. It was the last day of the PCA. I knew most of my friends had left. Uh, I gave them uh, the quick story. I called them, and the answer, they gave, I gave them the quick story, and that was a pretty big emergency. And uh, I'm having nightmares of getting beat up or injured or something there, not knowing what to expect. But sure, it wouldn't be a nice place to spend the night. So the court date was the next morning. I got to go to the hotel at close to midnight. The court date was the next morning around 8 a.m. And something uh, was going to happen to us, we're pretty sure. I decided to Google as much as I could about it. I found lots of cases of it happening to people. Uh, one case went into detail about someone who declared not guilty and their bail was set at 30000 I found information on a lawyer, decided to get up early and contact them. The next morning I did that. The lawyer said he would speak to me. So I take a taxi over. He goes over the paperwork and basically said my best bet is to plead guilty and explain that I'm a student and it was an innocent mistake and hopefully they'll hit me with a small fine and no actual charge. If I plead not guilty, I'd be sent back to jail until I was bailed out and the bail would be mid-five figures for both of us. Okay, easy decision, I said. Uh, and when I go to the court and plead my case, the judge says, all right, I understand it was a mistake, but it's still a serious crime, so I can't do anything about it. I'm going to give you a warning and a fine of so-and-so. He doesn't easy X's it out, but he said it was 100% of the money he had on him. I'm like, what, the fine is all of the money that I have? And he said, I tried to get some sympathy, saying it was a student, uh, which I was, and he basically said, too bad, you learned a tough lesson here today. I didn't push it any farther, because in the end, it was just money. So things get worse. Ends up being sent back to jail, and uh, the lady that was in charge explained she had to talk to the head guy there and make sure there wasn't anything else we needed to do. Uh, there were 50 to 60 Bahamian men in a pretty small cell yelling and being belligerent. Uh, there was a guy in charge who looked like Jabba the Hutt, apparently uh, was in charge of the jailhouse. She says, uh, she explained our situation, how we got off with a warning and paid our fine, and we had no outstanding charges and asked if there was anything else we needed to do. He looks up and down at us and says, I don't know, I'm pretty busy right now. Put them in the cell, we'll figure it out later. So I just went to court, got a warning, paid my fine. The judge said we were free to go. Why are we going back to a cell? I'm starting to freak out. And I'm like, no, I already paid my fine, and I want to go home. So he doesn't care, uh, sends me back to the cell. Uh, he asked a couple of other officers to start taking our fingerprints. As they're processing us, the immigration officer comes back and inform, informs us that, that they could take us. We thanked her profusely as she let us out. Uh, this is Jabba the Hutt seemed pretty disappointed that we were leaving. <laughs> now the immigration officers help us to get our stuff out of the uh, cab and they've been waiting there for over an hour thankfully the guy didn't drive off with our luggage and loaded it into their van he said we just had to stop by their headquarters first to tell them they were driving us to the airport um, got something to eat and goes on and on and he says uh, another officer comes out and comes back to the field the vehicle so, I've got some bad news. My heart sinks. What is it? They said, we're not allowed to take you to the airport today. They only let us escort people to the airport on Fridays. So, do we get a hotel? No, we have to keep you in our custody. We have a place for you to stay, though. It's on the outskirts of town, just like a dorm. You can buy food and stuff there. It's not so bad. So, they said, okay, a bit of a set, uh, setback, but uh, they get in the car. They head to the place, and uh, they're starting to really freak out, he says, uh, him and his friend. He said, uh, when he 
when you check in, they're going to take your phone, luggage, money, and passports for safety reasons. Uh, but be sure you make keep a bit of money on your so you can buy stuff in there. Uh, so now they get to the camp, and uh, this is where it really starts to get serious. So they get to the they go in, and where we are, we can't see the fences anymore. Uh, we walk outside and through the building through a mini maze of barbed wire fences and walls. We turned the corner, and I got a clear view of where we were staying. It was one of the scariest single moments of my life. It looked like a prison yard, multiple guards in camps with shotguns patrolling. Uh, there was what looked like about 100 men all standing uh, up, holding the fence and watching as we walked in. It was like a movie where the inmates in a jail stand and watch the new blood come in. Uh, my mind was racing, and a part of me was a bit scared for my well-being. Uh, let's see. I was the only Caucasian and pretty clear, clean and well-off uh, looking. I uh, clearly didn't fit in, half expected I was going to have to fight my way out of it. We get to the doors of the fence-in area. The guards yell head count, and everyone started organizing themselves. It was super crowded. Uh, they counted each person of each country, told them to go back inside. Over half were from Haiti, probably a quarter from Cuba, and then several other countries. Uh, as he finished the head count, uh, a guy came up to me and introduced himself in very broken English, a lot of hand gestures. And they took us in where there were 15 single bunk beds along each wall with tons of holes, spring, springs popping out, ripped up bedding. Stuff nobody... Uh, would regularly keep or sleep on. In total, there were about 60 or 70 mattresses, not nearly enough for the 180-ish people in there. He took me to a bunk, told me to put my stuff on top. Uh, he pointed to a rubber hose that took me after t- taking me outside, sticking out of the dirt with a bunch of mud around it, told me it was our water, but don't drink it. It will make me sick. We walked back to the smaller building that was the bathroom shower area. It smelled awful. Uh, I noticed the floors had tons of water on them. He told me to keep uh, my shoes on in the bathroom, and I realized why it smelled so bad. The toilets were all plugged and overflowing. A huge <laughs> pile of feces in the corner. Apparently, people just squatted and defecated there because the toilets were plugged. So I didn't want to go back inside the building, so I sat outside, talked with our friend, and uh, we were pretty rock bottom, obviously. Uh, I really didn't know where I was because I had no concept of a place even like this existing, but it turned out to be a refugee camp, as I was initially told by the older Cuban man who spoke decent English. Ninety percent of the people there were caught overstaying in boats fleeing their country. Ten percent of the people had different issues like lost passports and other things. No one was a criminal or had outstanding charges because in that case they would be in the jail instead. Uh, So this is night one. The sun goes down. They hear the animals all outside uh, getting into the trash and... You realize why people didn't uh, sleep in the beds because there was a bunch of dried blood on it. So, uh, so anyway, basically he had a rough night. So um, he talks about some of the food and some of the horrible stuff that they had to endure. And uh, let's see, out of desperation, um, you could buy most stuff for two dollars if you had the money there. And discovered they got stuff by paying the guards to get it for them when they went on break. I decided to do that for myself. I spoke to a guard and asked if he could grab me stuff. Two gallons of bottled water, soap, toothpaste, hand towel, big box of granola bars. And a lot of people who had been there were there for months, a few over a year. The most was 19 months of any that I spoke to. Uh, he got a chance to send a text, finally, before he had to give up his phone to his mom. And somehow she figured out where I was, got a hold of the embassy, and relentlessly called the refugee camp office until they let me talk to her. They took me back to the office I was in uh, when I arrived, and I was bawling my eyes out but trying to keep it together. I was trying to stress how bad conditions were while being in the presence of the staff and guards, not feeling uh, 
so I was not feeling comfortable explaining all the ways they were violating people's basic human rights. Uh, after five minutes, they said my time was up and sent me back. Another thing that happened early on, I saw some guy getting carried out to the bunker in the water area. Um, you know, he had toilet paper wrapped around his legs. There was no proper medical attention for anybody there. Uh, also, some of the people there, the whites of their eyes were yellowy and brownish, a bit watery. And I'm assuming it had to be some sort of health issue from the conditions. Uh, so he said that they warned him about bugging the staff a few times per day about having to leave. Uh, so he did, and they became visibly annoyed with me. But on the third morning, they brought a form and told me my friend we were and, and me were leaving that afternoon. They said we had to sign it to get our passports. Uh, we waited. Afternoon came, waited. Sun went down, still waiting. Uh, and they said, I think the flights back home stop soon, so they better hurry. Uh, night time came. It was obvious we weren't uh, going home. Uh, so again, uh, they finally get a chance to get out of there. Uh, talks about some individual things. And eventually, finally gets out of there. Talks about uh, people hanging off the fence. And, and he said, eventually, they did take us back with they, when they had promised. So the whole thing was five days, even though, as cliche as it sounds, it felt like a lifetime. I remember when I got on the plane, I was trembling and gritting my teeth, half expecting something to go wrong. And when the plane actually took off, I was bawling my eyes out for like an hour, and people were staring at me and wanted to tell them so bad about what happened, but I was just so happy to leave. When I got home, I got a bottle of water from the airport as soon as I could, and for the first time in my life, I think I actually appreciated clean water. I was so used to carrying my gallon of water around the refugee camp 24 hours seven days a week, that I kept cl clutching the bottle of water for ages after it was empty, went straight to a hospital, explained what happened, got tests and stuff done. When I got home, I dropped all of my courses for that semester of university, stayed with my parents for a couple of months, went to lawyers trying to figure out if there was anything I could do. But by the time I found out uh, I could have gotten some money back, it was too late by then. I also found out that what they did was illegal. The maximum they're allowed to seize was a certain percentage, not 100%, but how do you hold some foreign government accountable for scamming you? In the weeks after I came back, a bunch of my facial hair started falling out because of stress. Luckily, it came back a year or so later. Uh, I talked to embassies, human rights organizations, telling them what happened, seeing what I could do. Unfortunately, I could not do much, and I was met with a harsh reality that a lot of these organizations aren't all they're cracked up to be. Uh, I emailed poker stars when it happened. They phoned me for the first time and only time in my life. I told them everything, asked if uh, they could help somehow or if I could do something to try to stop this from happening to other players. They were aware of people getting popped at the border and found out it wasn't all that common. Uh, I got the vibe that their call was basically to just cover their ass. I tried to follow up with them with it by email, but for the first time they weren't very responsive and it kind of put me in limbo until I gave up. So I put a lot of energy in trying to help people still in there after I got back, uh, kept in touch with some of the refugees, but I had to move on and get back to regular life because it really shook me up. I just couldn't dwell on it. So that's the story. Well, this guy has a lot more reasons for not going back to the Bahamas than I do. That's for damn, <laughs> that's for damn sure. But unfortunately, I mean, <laughs> nothing even close to this, but, uh, you know... My personal experience over there has never been good. They got terrible attitude. Uh, you know, I haven't been to the Bahamas in I don't know how many years, and I met some. I met a couple here who had a similar scenario. They have been in the casino. This was a good ten, twelve years ago. Had won money, had been drinking, and when they got to the airport, 
guy asked them to declare how much money they had, and they misdeclared. They weren't trying to hide anything. They, they just drunk. misdeclared because they were drunk. So the only way they're going to know this is if they know somebody in the cage at the casino is calling customs and is saying, hey, listen, this person you know, has this amount of money. If they declare less than that, you got them. And they didn't go through the ordeal of the five or six days. They were arrested. They did spend the night. They had to get a lawyer the next day to bail them out. They were able to come back to Miami, and then they had to go back to the Bahamas because they had something like 30-something thousand seized. They were only able to get 9,000, 30% of what they had because the rest, as you mentioned, was fines and you know other stuff. It's basically, uh, a money-making proposition for these corrupt uh, that's police That's all department. it is. That's all it is. It's for these people to make their money. And with that being said, why would people go back to the Bahamas? It really is. It's despicable what they're doing to people there to try to take this money. Outside of Atlantis, it's, that, it's listen, pretty much a rat. You want to anyway. take the money? Say, hey, listen, you misdeclared. There's a 20% penalty for that. Take the damn money there and let them get on the plane. Yeah. Okay. We know what you're going to go. Stop with the with the you know with the charades of the court and the judge issuing you did something very egregious here. This is just ridiculous. And you know I don't understand people with these stories. And I'm sure there's other horror stories out there. They should just stop doing anything in the Bahamas. That's just my opinion. Well, I don't think it has, it's exactly related to this, but uh, there was a story today that I mentioned earlier with Brian that uh, the PCA could be a thing of the past very soon. Well, listen, it's uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't miss it at all. You know, I mean, these people they start treating their they start treating their guests, the tourists that go to this to their country this way. They don't deserve to have a tournament like this. Where does they just uh, don't deserve it? Where does the responsibility of the tournament organizers, the poker room, the hotel, uh, who's ever involved in this, have in explaining the laws and the rules to their poker players, what they can and cannot do? Well, first you need isn't, isn't there first a, you need a straight answer. First you need a straight answer from somebody in the government as to what they're going to do. Okay. And how they're going to do this. Okay, so this way you can address all your players and let them know, hey, you know, do not miscalculate by a freaking penny. Right. You understand? Do not miscalculate by a penny. And guess what? No matter what the fees, wire transfer fees are, they couldn't have been any, <laughs> it could have been your whole amount of money that they would have taken from you. Um, again, the tournament. The tournament's responsibility is to know that if this is what's going to happen, how about running your venue at another place? Right. You know, if the, look what Brian told us today, how cooperative Aruba is and how they work with them, you know, because you're, you're, you're bringing tourists, they're spending dollars on your island, you're helping employ some of these people and earn extra money the, 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 the week or 10 days or whatever amount of time you're in on the island running this tournament. And let me tell you, no issues. It's it's like going on vacation. When I've been there to Aruba, it's like going on vacation. They ask you how much, you know, sometimes they ask you, sometimes they don't. Big deal. But, you know, th th that story is scary, Dave. That story that you just read is scary. Yeah, and you can't really uh, just assume that uh, one place is safer than another. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, you know, Brian has had no problems in Aruba. 
And, uh, you know, you talk about different tournaments in <clears throat> Canada and Mexico and, and South America and the EPT and this it's and that. you gotta be, you just got to be careful. So even if this story is somewhat embellished, which I don't think but it is, uh, you know, have, there's a lesson to be listen, learned here. St. Martin has poker tournaments. Right. Santo Domingo has poker tournaments. Have you heard any of these star- horror stories on 2 Plus 2? Uh, I haven't, but I haven't. I gone. haven't. I haven't heard. I, of. I don't go there. Listen, that I've been involved. I've been, you know, I've been involved in poker for twenty years. Not one person, and I've, you know, I, I know hundreds. Granted, I don't know everybody. Known hundreds. Not one. The only time they've ever had an issue has been in the Bahamas. I'm someone who has traveled with my family, and I love to cruise. We've traveled the whole Caribbean. Right. I'm telling you, Dave. It's not just the government. It's it's the mentality. That unfortunately I I've been a witness to because how they treated my fam myself and my family, it, it, it's a different breed on the, in Bahamas. You don't get the same treatment in Jamaica, you know. Uh, you just you just don't. You and, just and don't yet, in Aruba in Santo Domingo. They but, bend over backwards to be nice to you. But yet people look at the Bahamas as being 18 minutes uh, from uh, South Florida airport. Listen, and they're like you know they think it's glamorous and all that sort of thing. But really, it's just a third world rat hole. It really it really is. And trust me, if casinos destination casinos ever come to to South Florida. Goodness gracious, uh, you know, may, may, they may be renting their island out for kid parties because you know, who the hell would want to spend any time there? Yeah. They charge you so much for food. The service is terrible. Uh, again, I don't see a plus, any plus side to going to the Bahamas, whatsoever, especially the main island. I don't see any of it, any of it whatsoever. Uh, the post uh, that was tweeted out uh, about the tournament was by uh, Todd Wittellis. Uh, who's kind of a rabble-rouser and uh, likes to stir up trouble, but he said that uh, on his website, Poker Fraud Alert, which is uh, where he uh, tweets out things and that sort of thing, uh, he said he got his information from a reliable source that the possibility for the disappearance of the PCA by 2018 was uh, very possible. Well, listen, you keep getting, you ju- all you have to do is keep getting a few more stories like this. They, I'd cancel it for next year, so... The tournament peaked at 1,560 players in 2011 prior to Black Friday. Uh, since then, the numbers in the main event have been going down continuously. Uh, 1,072 and 12, 987 and 13, went up again a little bit, 1,031 and 2014, 816 in 2015. They did have 928 So you're talking almost 50% less right. from their peak to this past year. Right. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, listen, you know, sometimes you got to look in the mirror, buddy. You know, you got to look in the mirror and uh, you know, again, the, their attitude for me, they can keep the Bahamas for all I care. Tournament started in 2004 at the Atlantis on Paradise Island, and it was kind of like the only game in town at that point, but there's so many other great tournaments including, you know, the ones here in South Florida that that uh people are not going to see su- subjected to that sort of treatment. Yeah, I'm telling you, that is just ridiculous. Uh, so that's about it for that. Uh, just again, uh, you know, not saying that every fact is true, but you've got to learn something from that, don't uh, you? Well, yeah, this is what I learned. You don't want to know what I learned? It's not better in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not better in the Bahamas. And on that note, uh, we're going to close things out for another program. Our thanks to uh, Brian Olton, uh, who does have a good, safe tournament in Aruba that we could always vouch for. These guys run a great tournament and great people of Aruba. 
and uh, certainly look forward to seeing what's going to happen this year. <laughs> so we'll catch you next week on the program, uh, working on some guests for you as usual. Joe, thanks again as usual. Gio, as always, uh, fine job. And uh, look forward to talking more next week uh, on the program. Poker Action Line, pick us up on Stitcher Radio, on uh, the Hold'em Radio Network. Uh, check it out on the weekends where they replay our show a couple of times over the course of the week. Uh, you can go to PokerActionLine.com, which incidentally has a lot of new material on it, stories and stuff, which we'll continue to update. Or you can pick us up simply on iTunes by searching Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.